What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another edition of the Fan Tracks Podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host, the owner of fanboysanonymous.com itself, Tony Mango, and joining me on the panel for this episode is going to be Alex Grimley. Hey there, fanboys. So the Fan Tracks Podcast, if you're unfamiliar with what this is, is an audio commentary track that you can listen to while we watch the same television show or movie that those of us on the panel are currently going to be watching for this episode And we'd like to give you guys an experience that's sort of the same as the typical DVD commentary kind of things. But obviously we didn't work on the project, so we can't talk about, you know, what happened during the filming or anything like that. We're approaching this just as fans bullshitting around. We're going to have some fun, crack some jokes, talk about what we liked and disliked about the particular project and, you know, so on and so forth. So for this episode, we're going to be watching the 17th entry in the James Bond film franchise, GoldenEye. It was directed by Martin Campbell, starring Pierce Brosnan in his first ever run as James Bond. Main villain is Sean Bean, who almost was James Bond. We'll get into that a little bit later. Release date, November 17th, 1995. Reason why we're doing this is because Spectre just came out, and it's James Bond month here on Fanboys Anonymous. So, again, if you don't know what to do, here's how this is going to work. You're going to queue up your DVD or your stream or your illegal YouTube video, whatever you end up be watching this on, and I will give you a countdown of 3, 2, 1, play. As soon as I say play, that's when you hit your play button. We're going to be bypassing anything like the menus that we're going to be having on the DVD. We're watching the old DVD one where it's got that little activate kind of thing. So we got the screen up right now that says play, special features, scene selections, languages, and we're going to be hitting play as soon as I say 3, 2, 1, play. So you're going to do that same time as we are. And then you'll be able to keep track with us. Everybody set? All right. Three, two, one, play. So right now we're loading out of that screen just to let you know. And we're going to be getting that little uh, MGM logo popping up right after, I think it's what, United Artists? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many different companies have had the bond rights. It's Sony's losing them now too, apparently. I I heard about this. Yeah. There's our little open gun barrel. I don't know about you, but I've been getting annoyed at the Daniel Craig ones that they don't have that gun barrel. Yeah. And when they put that on for Spectre, I I literally jumped out of my seat and I started clapping. I was just like, they fucking brought it back. Finally like, again. Now, if you've played the GoldenEye game, which, you know, we uh, were always big fans of, it's always weird when you watch the film and you see that there's this giant, well, not giant, but there's this decent sized level that starts the game off of the dam. And I don't want to pronounce what the hell it is. Cause it's like or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. You watch the movie. It's he runs. There's not a single guard, you know, it's all of about 30 seconds in the film. <laughs> not only is there not any guards, there's no tower. There's no fourth tower. And it's not even James Bond that's on the freaking thing. <laughs> it's his stunt double. But at least they got it right with that little um, the little platform. Although it's a shame that you can't actually do like some of the jumping in the game, but we're talking 96 or something like that is when they made that game. Yeah, very, very early on in the history of N64. Groundbreaking. It's still fucking fun. I mean, we... We're recording this uh, November 16th. Wow, we're one day uh, off from 
I didn't even realize. Happy that. anniversary, Goldeneye! This is yeah. the twentieth anniversary. Oh commentary wow. Track for Goldeneye. <laughs> nice. Uh, even last night we were playing the Goldeneye game, uh, having some fun with some rockets and temple. That has to be the slowest bungee jump I've ever seen. <laughs> well, they did that one take, right? I mean, that was a that was a world record. Hmm. There you go, Archangel uh, Chemical Weapons Facility. U-S-S-R. We're in Russia, as they'd say, C-C-C-P. <laughs> you know, in Soviet Russia, P-C-C-C. <laughs> Obligatory shots of men urinating and defecating to start the film off. <laughs> and we're already in level two. <laughs> Speaking of the Golden Knight game, though, I mean, when you look at the facility in this, and you look at the level design, I forgot to knock off that line. Um, you know, you see like the canisters that they blow up look completely different, and some of like the beta testing and stuff that they had like some different designs or whatever. Golden Eye Source is a great source for anybody that wants to have the meat packing. I never understood that. That was always confusing <laughs> to me. Is there like a reason for that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. First time I'm watching this film, I'm like, Bond's invading, like, a butcher shop. Like, <laughs> And now he's in a confectionery closet. Yeah, like, the next scene, he's going to be in the actual kitchen itself, and he's going to be uh, telling somebody how to shake something instead of serve it, you know? <laughs> Good job, <laughs> I've never understood what that meant, but... I always like the word Kajibash. <laughs> Had to take a wicked piss. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's, uh, I mean, GoldenEye is probably still my favorite Bond film. But when you watch it back, every once in a while you start picking up on some different things. Those little beakers that you can shoot on the top of that level. Um, but I like how, like, at the beginning of this, there's a concerned effort to refer to him as not only James, but also 007, because it's the reboot. And it's like, right. we got these two guys that look like they could be Bond. Well, that one's a fucking ass, and he just shoots the guy <laughs> that you're not supposed to kill in the game. <laughs> It's like, in case anybody doesn't know, this guy's James. James Bond. 007. I wonder if in their free time they refer to each other by their code numbers. <laughs> They're just, like, hanging around the office and it's like, you know, where's uh, where's Bill Fairbanks? Oh, you mean 002? <laughs> he was 002, right? Or is that 004? I think it was 002. Man with the Golden Gun, right? Yes. The late Bill Fairbanks. And this is movie time, so that six minutes is going to be four minutes and eight minutes. Before he changes it to three minutes. Which takes about 12 minutes afterward for it to blow up. There's Oromov. Oromova. Ormov directs his troops to fire through the bulletproof glass. <laughs> Somehow it works. 
Well, the butt of the gun works better. That's there you go. <laughs> I don't know how many times uh, it took for us to realize that we couldn't do a proper Oromov impression without pushing our noses down. <laughs> Oromov. He's like, who am I? You didn't refer to me as my double O. <laughs> and he gets no answer in return. These chemicals are poisonous, as evidenced by the skull and crossbones on the barrels. Now... Do they explain this in any kind of fashion or what? But I've always been really confused. Ormov, we're you know, spoiler alert if you're listening to this instead of watching the movie itself. Ormov shoots him in the head. Right. There's either there's two options here. Either he shoots him with a blank, or or he shoots next to him. If he shot next to him, Bond would see that he didn't shoot him. If he shot him with a blank, how does he shoot the guy? Right. Afterward. Well, it's curious. I mean, uh, 006 fired at, at uh, the Russian troops as they came through, and all the uh, deaths were bloodless. Mm-hmm. Now, you suppose if you put a bullet in a guy's head, blood would splatter everywhere. But again, yeah. a bloodless supposed death. I've never been able to reconcile this either. Maybe the Russian guard was directed... Like to play dead? There it is. Right. If I <laughs> listen, backwards. if I act like I'm going to shoot you, I need you to go. Bah! <laughs> All right, everybody. I might pretend to shoot one of you. Please uh, act dead. Don't now, break the illusion. Now, be prepared. If Bond shoots you, he's got real guns. <laughs> you will die. And he's miraculously accurate. <laughs> he also has these great strategies where he can lay down on something and everybody just watches him leave. <laughs> Here we come on to level three, the runway. That little always reminded me of uh, the score from Ghostbusters. There's one scene in there where it's got a song that sounds similar to that. Oh, we got the best death in the film coming up right here. Right? There we go. The guy that, he runs into a bullet and jumps backwards screaming. Screaming. And they give you an establishment, uh, establishing shot of him running. So you get a sense, you feel empathy for him. You know, he has a wife and kids. This might be a good time to say a few things about the score for GoldenEye. One of the stranger James Bond scores. Very odd. And not strange just because of, like, its time period, like, for your eyes only or whatever. This is just, like, they tried something different. And Eric Serra, mm. uh, if I believe. Yeah, French uh, film composer. Uh, the score is, like, it departs from the traditional Bond score. It's mostly electronic rather than orchestral and uses wacky sound effects all through. I mean, there's that, like, the boing in the one part and, you know, the whole do 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 no, th- those pa kind of things are. There's a concerned effort for that too. Like, I mean, as much as the writers were like, we need to establish that this is Bond. Eric Serra's like, we need to establish this pa pa. You think if they would have had him do Tomorrow Never Dies, he would have kept that, or if he would have changed it up? I think his bag of tricks is pretty limited. I think we would have heard a very similar film score. Granted, I like it. 
for this movie. But David Arnold is so much better. Tomorrow Never Dies is probably my favorite soundtrack from a Bond film. Everyone on that, the beginning of that. I mean, this is a great beginning sequence too, but the White Knight thing, I think that's a little bit better. Here's a good sound effect. I like this. There it is. <laughs> Another like close it. call. There's, the, there's three minutes went by. <laughs> And then we got the beginning of our little title sequence. Great Bond theme by Tina Turner, who was like, they were like, well, we can't get Shirley Bassey, right? Let's get Tina Turner. <laughs> but I do love the uh, version that Ace of Bass made, the Juvenile. One of my favorite songs, period. If they would have done with that, I would have been cool with it. I like both this one. I like... uh. You don't feel the same way, but the experience of love, the love theme in there. Oh, sung by Eric Serra himself. Very, very strange. He sings it? I think so. Uh, wow. Robbie Coltrane, no relation to John. <laughs> Michael Kitchen, he wasn't a part of that scene earlier. <laughs> His talents were wasted on the uh, <laughs> mess hall sequence. A missed opportunity. You know, I saw this film for the first time probably close to 20 years ago, and I think only last night did I realize um, all of the hammers and sickles and these these metaphor, really? visual metaphors for the fall of the Soviet Union. Like the statues yeah. and Lenin and everything? Now, I don't get some of that. I don't get why the person's climbing out of the mouth of that uh, it looks like a Loki mask. Mm, or but something. did you understand the uh, golden thing shooting out of their left eye? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't get that one. Very that one's subtle. That one's a reference to uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, right? <laughs> we both agreed too. This shot of the woman with her the gun coming out of her mouth is kind of creepy. But I always love this shot of the people dancing on the guns. I always saw this weird too, though. Uh, one of the guns is just different like there's mm. four guns on the screen three of them are saying why did they want to make that one different in the background why not do two and two what do you think would you do the, the one on the right <laughs> <laughs> i would do the two-faced one with a gun in her mouth <laughs> she likes it when things get cocked <laughs> <laughs> i had to And this one that uh, she's sitting there winding up the whole time and she never gets a chance to actually hit anything with a hammer. But this one in the center, she's just whacking away. Accomplishing nothing. That sickle's going nowhere. How'd you like that casting call? You want to be in a Bond film? Oh yeah, I'd love that. I'm going to be one of the Bond girls. Yeah, stand here and whack this with a hammer. <laughs> uh, how long do I have to do this? We need a lot of coverage. Like two hours. <laughs> Well, are you at least going to see my face in this? No. Nine years later, Bond looks exactly the same. Does she have a name? I don't think so. And when she's referred to later by M, <clears throat> her name isn't mentioned. Her name is like that young woman. 
surprised she's not credited as uh, enjoy spirited ride. Oh, there's Famka. I gotta say, easily one of my top favorite Bond women when it comes to level of sexiness. Famka Jansen, all legs. Killer legs. Speaking of the weird soundtrack. But she is so hot. Look at her. God. Uh, and I love her sense of style. Her driving gloves matching the color of her car. So her name is Caroline. Or Carolyn. Serena Gordon. I can't remember which Mission Impossible it is, but uh, I think it's Mission Impossible 2. They copy off of Goldeneye, like, insanely. And this whole sequence of uh, Bond and Xenia doing this chase on, you know, this rocky kind of uh, cliffside kind of a thing. They do the exact same thing with uh, Ethan and... What's her name? Naya. Hmm. Two different cars chasing each other... Things start getting hairy for the the woman. He firmly establishes that he's a better driver, that kind of a thing. Couldn't pay me to drive on these roads. Or to bike on them. I don't yeah, want to get that exercise. Have to pay me a lot more to bike on them. <laughs> I notice uh, Bond has added a bumper sticker on the back of his Aston Martin. <laughs> Honk if you're a spy. <laughs> he just turns around and shoots you. <laughs> like the one douche that ruins it for everybody. Unbeknownst to him, he uh, actually picked up the wrong car from Q Branch, used the emergency brake, and explodes. <laughs> wow. The modifications. Refrigerated <laughs> bottle of champagne. Bolo champagne. And this woman's so, like, hell-bent, like, you gotta listen to me, you gotta do your job and whatever, and he's like, so you like champagne? And she's like, how about we just, like, fuck? <laughs> Two minutes of fast driving at all is all it takes. <laughs> Another musical cue that seems very out of place. Kind of seems like it should be more in, like, um... Not so much, like, necessarily a, a Tom Hanks movie, but maybe, like, the end of Castaway. Yeah, it's you know. way too dramatic <clears throat> for Bond giving his car to the valet, looking at things. <laughs> yeah, like most Bond films at this point, when, um, you know, you're getting the establishing shot of the casino that's got that kind of like casino-y James Bond theme playing. 
or if it's one of the old Connery films, it's blaring the James Bond theme <laughs> for no reason. A brassy Bond theme. One bit of trivia I learned recently was that Pierce Brosnan's contract, uh, while he played Bond, prohibited him from wearing a bow tie or a tuxedo in any other film. So you'll notice in Thomas Crown Affair, when he goes to a formal ball, his bow tie's off and his top, uh, the top button of his collar's been <laughs> unbuttoned. That's how they got around it? Contractual obligations. I can see why they would do that, though. Doesn't want to come like a parody in something? Mm-hmm. Avoid the comparisons. Now, I will fully admit, I don't understand what the fuck Baccarat is, like, how to play it. He says, you've got wheat, and you've got 11. <laughs> and you've got suivi. Uh, made all the more difficult by the fact that there are no numbers on any of the cards. <laughs> and they just, like, here's a stack of stuff. Do you want a stack? I'll have a stack. Do you want a stack? All right, here's a little bit more of a stack. Also without numbers. Famke Johnson would go on three years later to play another card shark, the film Rounders. Just got a couple of rounders showing in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so confusing to try to figure out. It's like, all right, you've got, we've, we've established you've got wheat 11 and you've got seven. So she's got six and he's got Ooh. hearts. So he wins. <laughs> it's <just> like. <laughs> We can't follow the action, but we know she's disappointed when she says, bitch. <laughs> Whereas we always used to, uh, when we would do the impressions of her, pliach. Pliach. from behind <laughs> <laughs> the level of innuendos is almost impossible that's probably my favorite delivery of James Bond James Bond yeah they weren't trying at all with on a top on a top from behind <laughs> on a top I used to have problems with that shoot in and out line. I thought he was saying like that he used to visit shoot in and out, mm, like another. shoot in and out Russia, you know that kind of a thing. <laughs> like, like why would Bond know that? <laughs> What a patsy. <laughs> Speaking of weird scenes. Would you ever watch this form of entertainment? No. We are right now. <laughs> Even these 15 seconds are a bit too much for me. <laughs> Clearly, Bond doesn't care to yeah. enjoy it either. He looks over while everybody's clapping and doesn't clap either. He's just like, nah. 
She's not a real fucking puppet. Puppet in this scene is Zenya's, uh... Little chap there. Should we go? Can we leave? I want to go home. <laughs> Can't blame him for falling, though. Hmm. Jarring cut in a second, isn't it? Oh no, it's after the car. The gears are turning in Bond's head. He's looked at a lot of things in this scene. <laughs> Spent a lot of time looking at things. You know, he didn't look at the performers. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't be bothered. He's ha one might say he's got zero time. Come on. <laughs> a lot of these Bond films, they seem very dated when you look at the gadgets themselves. Like, the music, yeah, you know, I mean, you can kind of bypass that a little bit, but when it's like, Bond's got to take pictures with a camera, and it's got to relay back to, there you go, there's a scene. Relay back to the car so he can print something, you know. <laughs> a receipt. <laughs> Here is your spy receipt, Mr. Bond. If you check at the bottom of it, there's a coupon. <laughs> this has got to be one of the most intense sex scenes in all Bond films. Oh, without a doubt. I appreciate that the man plays it up as much as the woman does, too. <laughs> he's completely uninhibited. And he's really into her scratching his chest. Are we meant to believe that Bond snuck in and removed that ID card? Or was that... You know, yeah, I don't... I think that's supposed to be Oromov. Okay. Because he's the one that's with her with the helicopter. Okay. Here, and here is Bond. Here's Bond. Oh, and here we got the, the massively long frigate level. <laughs> you know, watch out for the scene in this where he has to protect the hostages. Yeah. And put the thing on the the tracker on the uh his weapon thing. of choice is a towel <laughs> now there's a, an instance where like the game i mean they obviously they had to pad it out because you need more levels in the game that's why we had like bunker two and stuff but really odd that they would take that little boat thing make a whole level out of it add this random hostage thing and whatever like that but not add that little you know, the one shot in the film where he does some action, there's no part in the frigate level where, uh, you know, you fight somebody who's got, like, the, the sailor suit kind of right, thing. Going the dock on. hand. Yeah. The poop deck, you know. The poop deck. He goes in for the kiss, but doesn't take it. <laughs> oh, he's sick that day. <laughs> Guy on the left at discount, Dennis uh, Hoffman. Oh, 
Bond's like, yeah, maybe I'll have a drink. <laughs> oh. At least he died with a smile on his face. <laughs> you know, I think that's what the scene that uh, inspired Trigger Mortis. <laughs> Another one of my favorite lines in this movie, as far as like uh, accents and stuff, is when he starts pronouncing the names of the pilots. <laughs> right. I, I have no idea what the hell. It is. I watched this movie 30, 40 times, whatever, like that. It's just like Commander Safla and whatever. There's Brosnan's uh, stunt double. Tell you what, if uh, somebody says, you got to do one of these pilots, I'd much rather send you than Bond stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> François Wu. François Wu. Lieutenant Savrav Bru. And Admiral Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> you got the heavy. Now, we're at a point where this is, what, about, we're 27 minutes into the film, and you have no clue what the plot is, still. You know Zenya's bad because they essentially just go, hey, this chick's kind of bad. She amasses an impressive death count, three <laughs> so far. And here's our surface level. <laughs> oh, look at that. We're already transitioning into the bunker level. <laughs> and Bond doesn't visit it at all. So what are your thoughts on Natalia? How does she rank when it comes to, like, uh, the different Bond women? I've never been a very big fan of Natalia. Um, the homely outfits she wears throughout. I prefer her colleague here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, Xenia takes the cake in this film for sure. Mm -hmm. What about you? Like, uh, let me put it this way. Natalia, beautiful woman, looks better with her different hairstyle, like the longer hair that she normally had the, the short hair is not doing it for me and like you said the homely outfits to establish that she's not a bad person right uh but i do like how her role in the film isn't like i, I like when a bond girl isn't a total damsel in distress but she also isn't overcompensating for it like uh way lynn pisses me off yeah she's like you know she shoots somebody in it and goes yeah and it's like, all right, I get it. You're an action chick. But I like how Natalia has a little bit of an edge to her. Like, she serves a purpose in the movie. I mean, she has to be somebody there to, to understand what the Golden Eye codes are and whatever. But, you know, I mean, she 
is second fiddle to Bond. So she's all right. I mean, there's better, there's worse. As far as Boris goes, though, he's one of my favorite henchmen. Because he's just a slimy little fucking nerd. <laughs> and they firmly establish that, too, where it's like the first thing you see of him is he's a fucking pervert. <laughs> And a jerk. <laughs> like, he's not only a dick to both the women in there, but he's also like, let me go to my way to Photoshop you on this model body with these giant knockers, you know? <laughs> like, Like, what did he accomplish there? Impossible to tell. The internet looked very different in the year 1995. He's like, yes, I loaded up a picture of the logo. <laughs> what He said he spiked them. Was this an early form of the Facebook poke? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for cigarette in the negative 20 degree winter. It might be a, an early version of Tinder. The spike them is like swiping right. Apore, <laughs> saluta. Easily out of everybody that we've done the most impressions of over the years has been that line, probably. Boris! It is me, it is me, it is Boris. <laughs> A lot of people don't like Boris. Ahuta. Like, the whole I'm invincible thing, they think that that's just dumb. I think it's fucking great. I wonder if he has to say head of space division. He has to re-record his uh, voice verification every time he gets a promotion. <laughs> Five-star General Arkady Grigorovich Oromov. Head of space division. <laughs> Still head of space division. Hat looks comfy. 100 Out of all the Oromov lines of this film, what's your favorite? Hmm. I think mine's got to be, you can't win. Yes. <laughs> I like when he blames the attack, uh, the Severnaya attack on Siberian separatists. <laughs> Yeah, there's racking up that kill count. She is a one of the most bloodthirsty Bond villains in the entire franchise. And I think it's implied, or maybe maybe it's more than implied, that she entertains some sick sadomasochistic Oh, that's definitely, fantasies. yeah. 
the well, orgasmic I mean, yells as she kills people. She has a more genuine orgasm shooting these people up than she does with a uh, good old Chuck. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously faking it and stuff like that. This one, she's just like, oh, ah, oh, that hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna go get some coffee. <laughs> I'm gonna go ventilate someone. <laughs> I had to ventilate someone. That's one of the worst lines in the movie. I love my puns, but come on, man. I love the sound effects of the uh, GoldenEye tracking. Yeah, this is when um, satellite missiles were still directed by, uh, uh, you know, phone, like DSL. Hmm. It's a, it sounds like a busy signal when he plugs <laughs> it in. It's like something from um, Super Mario Brothers. CCCP. She's like, oh, I could go for round two. It looks like a pretty decent uh, break room for being in the middle of fucking nowhere. A couple different types of coffee on there. Got a nice stocked fridge. Great place to ventilate someone. Probably filled with borscht. And dumplings. Dumplings? <laughs> yeah, there's Russian dumplings. <laughs> well, there's that line. See, this is another uh, part of the score that's just... It's a little bit too creepy for this. Mm. I would say it should be in a film like Halloween, but that movie just has one friggin' song that they play ad nauseum. New MI6 headquarters. It's safe to say we still don't know what the plot is yet. Yeah. Well, but then we finally know who Moneypenny is. Do you like Samantha Bond as Moneypenny? A bit too mousy for my tastes. How would you rank them? I mean, we have four Moneypennies now. We've got uh, Lois uh, Maxwell. What's mm -hmm. her name? Um, I can't remember the second one. Uh, Caroline there. something or other. We have trouble remembering Carolines, apparently. <laughs> And we got um, Naomi Harris now. Kind of like a Naomi Harris. I like Naomi Harris. Caroline Bliss. Bliss. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Was Timothy Dalton's money penny. Now, I liked her because she seemed like she was more of like the the overlooked secretary type. Mm. Maxwell, she got to a point where she was a little bit too cocky with it. Oh, and she was also six, pushing 65, <laughs> 70 years old there at the end. Well, then again, so was uh, Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. New era, she's got to be the one that says, no, you get out there so I can check out your ass. I like Tanner. This Tanner is better than Rory uh, Kinnear. But I actually like, what's his name better? 
um, Colin Salmon's character, um, Robinson. Ooh. An ill-timed barb. Nice little pun there, ill-timed barb. (laughs) (laughs) That's what her name's supposed to be, isn't it? Barbara, um... Barbara Maudsley. I didn't know this. I think that's what it is. Uh, They established it, I think, in Casino Royale, maybe, or something. When he says, like, uh, the M stands for... Von jockeys the insult back to M. (laughs) Yeah, Barbara Maudsley. She looks like Barbara. And or a Maudsley. I don't know if they've ever established the other names, but, uh... I think the original M was Miles Messervy. That's right, yeah. And actually, um, did you ever think the second M was supposed to be Miles Messervy? Or that he was the other guy? Because he was another character. He was another character, I think, in Spy Who Loved Me. Um, Bernard Lee died... Following Moonraker in 1975, Bernard Lee, the original M, replaced by Robert Brown in For Your Eyes Only, I think? Um, Octopussy. Hmm. No, I always thought he was had been promoted. He's uh, Admiral Hargreaves in The Spy Who Loved Me. So, I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, he's an admiral, so... But then it'd be kind of funny if it's like Admiral Hargreaves M. <laughs> Ad M. Roll. Then again, Max Denby is C, so they don't need to do that. I mean, he could have been D. And now we're, like, finally starting to get to know what the hell the plot of the movie is. It seems as though a Terminator is generating in these planes. (laughs) It only took them 40 minutes and 40 seconds for them to, uh, use the golden eye. Which, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's been fun up up until then. Like, I, I can't criticize this movie all that much. I love it. Would you say she's incredibly lucky or incredibly unlucky with the way things pan out with this? <laughs> like, she has to have, like, the one thing explodes next to her. She trips. This has got to be the worst Monday of her life. <laughs> like, she sends a message to headquarters the next day and goes, I think I'm going to take a few days off. <laughs> Consider this my two weeks resignation. <laughs> She comes into work and has to face daily sexual harassment from (laughs) Boris. Finally has her life threatened. 
and has to take responsibility of cleaning up some of this. <laughs> it's going to be a very, very difficult cleanup operation here. Well, see, her problem with this whole gate thing is she's not saying her uh, title at the end of it. Yeah, she screams, but it's just not loud enough. I think that that uh, it couldn't hear her. Well, she's supposed to, you know, we we figured out the Orimov rule. He had to say head of space division. She's yep. got to say Natalia Fyodorovna Semyonova works at a goddamn computer. <laughs> <laughs> then it would go, oh, I'm sorry, Natalia, please, you know. There's no James Bond logo on these little TVs. Like in Goldeneye game. <laughs> Worst fucking luck. <laughs> Oh, now that everything's over, I guess I'll just calmly leave. Oh, fuck. It actually took me like three or four viewings of this to realize that she uses that to climb out. Right. And a very interesting um, uh, revelation in this film. Uh, the MiG f uh, flew into the bunker. And then you see that, you know, these beams flying through the ceilings. Evidently, this film confirms <laughs> jet fuel cannot indeed melt steel beams. <laughs> Tanner was on the phone with Comcast trying to get satellite feedback in order. And Comcast was like, look, buddy, we're the only operation here. You, you gotta just deal with it. We'll be there between 12 and 5. It's not our modem. <laughs> Tanner, have you Googled the problem? <laughs> so far in this film, Brosnan has driven Sean Connery's car from Goldfinger, and now he's wearing the... Um, gray suit blue tie combination that connery wears in goldfinger hmm. you think they were trying to position him as a sort of throwback or link the film back with earlier bonds they definitely did a concerned effort to make it you know in a different era but keep a lot of the classics i mean some bond films you can go a good hour before you get to some of the you know she could not stir kind of a thing and it was like all right we got that taken care of we got bond james bond taken care of whatever but um i don't know about the suit that might be i mean that might actually be one of those things where the costume designer did it but maybe nobody else actively told her to or right. told him to or i don't know his costume designer but, i mean um, it certainly uh matches brosnan's dreamy blue eyes <laughs> He's a different Bond in this than he is in the other ones. Would you agree about that? He's much more serious. Yeah, he's more reserved. I mean, I think this is probably Brosnan's best performance as Bond. I mean, we disagree on, on Brosnan as a Bond. I think he's probably the weakest Bond in the series. Mm. And through little fault of his own, he was given lousy films. And I think he's one of the better ones that just unfortunately had lousy films to deal with and i do like them i mean like uh i can pop in tomorrow never dies but um none of them are as good as goldeneye i mean goldeneye actually holds up you know i can show goldeneye to somebody and not feel like a little bit embarrassed about anything right. 
But this one, uh, he's a lot more... Uh, I mean, they even have the line in the film where it's like, how could you be so cold? He gets a little bit more relaxed and tomorrow never dies. And then by the time it's dying another day, I mean, he's he's joking around too much. Mm. But the same sort of happens with Roger Moore a little bit. Rod, yeah, I mean, Roger Moore played up the sort of comic side of Bond from the very beginning. That's why I'm not a big fan of Roger Moore. I mean, Lazenby's number, you know, seven to me. And when the next Bond comes out, he'll be number ten. Like, you know, <laughs> he, I just never liked Lazenby. And Moore, to me, Moore, I like how he, he's definitely the best when it comes to the comedy. Mm-hmm. Everything else, he's the worst, I think. Or, well, outside of Lazenby. But I don't buy that Roger Moore can be a killer. Yeah, it's hard. And I mean, they minimize the sort of assassinations and cold-blooded mm. kills in the in the Roger Moore films. They go for more comic relief things. People falling out of blimps and planes onto <laughs> tents. Max! This is a good scene, though. Now, this brings up a very interesting point. M calls Bond a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. And a very clear... A uh, ploy to gain the PC crowd. <laughs> and to establish that she is not going to take any of his shit like most of the other women. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, when um, when we were getting into the Bond series, we were getting into it when Brosnan was Bond. Right. So RM is Judy Dench. Now, we would watch all the other movies and stuff, and I... I would probably say Judy Dench is still my favorite M and uh Bernard Lee is number two. Mm. But what do you think about the transition from the Brosnan M relationship is more we don't like each other and we grow to respect each other. Right. The Craig Judy Dench one is surrogate mother. I like the Craig one better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brosnan and, and Judy Dench, uh, the relationship is almost like a business relationship. Yeah. there's a They're distant. They kind of toy with each other. Um, I think Dench, it was a great choice to bring Bond into the 90s to have a female M, to have her be a sort of strong female character that as a, acts as a counterbalance to Bond. But I've always had a soft spot for Bernard Lee. I like Bernard Lee's shocked reactions when the <laughs> video feeds of Bond having sex with women at the end of Spy Who Loved Me comes in. Like what? My guy's doing this? <laughs> Michigan. Had had. had. <laughs> I don't think I've seen him in any other film. The uh, man who looked uh, up from his paper there, Michael G. Wilson. Yeah. Cameo in damn near every Bond film, right? Right. He's Albert R. Bro- the producer, Albert R. Broccoli's stepson, and he's since become... Uh, he wrote several of the Roger Moore films as well. He wrote huh. View to a Kill. I didn't catch him in uh, Spectre. No. 
But there is that one scene in there where they're all like, a, you know, the he likes to position himself in scenes where it's like a group of people sitting around a table. So <laughs> where can... the um, it's Marty Dice. He's one of the video screens. The consider him slimed, <laughs> right? Showing off his acting chops in yeah. that one. Well, he does a pretty sweet look up in this one. <laughs> Gotta say, his best acting job is, um, I think it's Quantum Asalas, where he's the man sitting in the chair reading the newspaper, mm. and that's it. <laughs> Michigan's got a sweet beard going on. It's like perfect stubble. The Siberian Separatist's line did not fly in that room. Now, we're in uh, Q Branch right now. I gotta say, this is probably my favorite Q Branch scene out of any Bond film ever. Even more than the Ghetto Blaster? Yeah. Hmm. Although that is pretty good. <laughs> but you started off with Q shooting a fucking rocket out of his <laughs> foot. Like, you know? <laughs> this does not get used at all in the entire film. That's a shame. That's one negative I can say about Goldeneye. Hmm. The car chase underwhelming because it's the beginning thing and it's you know let's establish a cool car that we'll never use right i think maybe if they had like one little rewrite they could have had a car chase uh before the cradle stuff we do get the tank chase there following archives true but the tank is short on gadgets I think it's pretty essential. It only has that one. <laughs> fire upon fire. <laughs> Shoot the peetle. It is a little bit too jokey, but I mean, you kind of need a little bit of levity in this. You've watched 40-something minutes of Bond staring cold, angrily, Q comes in, he's the lovable, uh, the old man, you know, the silly grandpa who laughs that people are going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that Q doesn't take his job too seriously. Yeah. Probably my favorite Bond gadget, the Parker the pen. pen. Uh, if nobody's ever listened to any of the other James Bond things that, uh, has been on fanboys, um, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it here. When we got really into the Bond series, Gold and I was really our, our, our in for it. So we based a lot of some of the things that we found funny about the Bond series from it and stuff. And Boris Pens became a thing. Uh, we couldn't find the Parker Pens originally. And we eventually established, we were in what, sixth grade? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, good looking sandwich in the background of this. But um, I always like this line. <laughs> the scene actually continues, and he bites it too. Hmm. But they cut that out. But yeah, the Boris pens. I uh, mean, we we had what we referred to as first generation Boris pens, one that seemed like they were a little bit close to them because they were just metal. We pens. couldn't find the original uh, the pen that's used in the film. We didn't know what it was mm -hmm. at the beginning. We used zebra pens before realizing it was a Parker Jotter. And then when we realized that we weren't accounting for the generic pen, that he, the Bic pen, 
that we needed to make. That was, uh, I think at that point, fourth generation mm. Boris pens, which even though that's the first pen. <laughs> we actually like taught ourselves how to do the little spinning. Not as easy as Boris makes it look. I don't know. I think I got it down pretty well. You can't see us right now, but... Um, uh, He's spinning a pen. Yeah, I'm spinning that pen. I do the uh, the four-finger method. I don't use my thumb. Just don't blow us up. <laughs> click, click. Click. Um. Now, what do you think about Jack Wade? I mean, they could have had Felix Leiter here. And for some reason, they didn't want to. I don't know why. Jack Wade. I like Jack Wade. More comic relief. He gives Bond, or Bond gives him, rather, a very hard time. Well, he's a stiff-ass Brit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very strange throwaway line. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be some reference I'm not getting, you know? It, maybe it's just we're too young for some kind of a thing that it came out in 95 that was about gardening or, I don't know. The CIA couldn't have provided uh, Agent Wade with a newer car, a newer model here. He's so pissed. I gotta fan you a fucking screwdriver, you ass. Jimbo. He just keeps sledgehammers and stuff in the back because it's that bad of a car. I don't know. I mean, I, I like uh, Felix Leiter. I like Jack Wade, but feels weird to have a replacement Felix Leiter. Like, they could have had him still be Felix Leiter and just make Felix a little bit more comedic. Well, it was strange. I mean, Felix is a funny character because he's played by a different actor almost every time you see him. Mm -hmm. And so there's never a sense that you really... Other than the... Um, other than Felix in License to Kill, he kind of remains... You never get to know him. You never know much about him. The, you get to know him a tiny bit with uh, Jeffrey... Jeffrey Wright is his mm -hmm. name. The, you know, he's kind of more of like a hard ass in the Craig series, but. But then again, he, like, he is real kind of jokey for a paraplegic at the end of License to Kill. <laughs> Very inexplicably so. After losing his wife, his wife is brutally raped and murdered, <laughs> and he's fed to sharks and loses the bottom half of his body. He uh, calls Bond in great spirits. <laughs> hey, Bond, what's up, buddy? Yo, you want to get a drink? <laughs> nah, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, you can wheel me in. Odd, too, that they cast somebody who had been a Bond villain for Jack Wade. Right. Not even like when um, Beswick, you know, you're, you're a background character. You can pop up as another background character or... 
that happens now and again, though. I mean, uh, what's her name? Andrea Anders. Two different Bond right. women. You got uh, good old Jack Wade and General... What's his name? General... Oh, in Living Daylights. The yeah. actor is Joe Don Baker. Forget the... Yeah, he plays something, a villain. Something with W, I think, right? I can't remember. It's probably not even close to W. Liked Valentine. I was a little bit upset that they killed him off in uh, Twine. Yeah. Twine meaning where else not enough. For those who don't know uh, the abbreviations that we've gotten used to over the years, like osmosis for uh, <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is quite an unwieldy title as they go. How come we never abbreviated, abbreviated it as OMS, though? Just OMS. We made osmosis. It osmosis. A completely different word that you know has nothing to do with the Bond series. But could sound... Uh, kitschy enough for them to name a Bond film Osmosis of Osmosis of Pain or something like that. <laughs> osmosis yeah. of Solace. <laughs> the Osmosis Crisis. The Spy Who Loved Osmosis. <laughs> now what's up with the, the little nun thing there? That was an odd choice, I always thought. It's Boris. It is me, it is me, it is me, it is Boris. Oh. And she goes, the woman that I don't know. Very uh, weird thing that Minnie Driver, of Mm. all people, is in this scene. Like, she had to have known somebody in the production. It was just like, can I please be in there? I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, how weird would the scene be if he just blew his fucking brains? <laughs> I believe I've killed two of them, and now one of them's gonna kill you. Bang! Valentine says only two no two men I know use such a gun, and then a guy comes in and puts a gun to Bond's head, and it's a Walther PP7. He's <laughs> <laughs> only three men I know use such a gun. I believe I've killed two of them, and the one guy goes, "Uh, boss, I'm one of the two other ones," and he goes, "Yeah, uh, I'm just getting ahead of myself." <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I love the one dude. Uh, but, but it depends. <laughs> he wants to give a nuanced answer. He's ruined a perfectly good couch. But he takes Bond's uh, criticism. Like, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, uh, Minnie Driver is a good-looking girl. Terrible singer, but good-looking girl. And then he, you know, hey, Bond, what do you think about her? <laughs> ah, she kind of sucks at singing. And he goes, well, if Bond doesn't like her, hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to throw away that relationship that we had? Well, this guy that you don't know, that I fucking hate, that I want to kill, he says you're not good enough. He's critiquing your singing. He does not like your singing. <laughs>
Uh, it's a leap year. I <laughs> he looks so upset to me. Oh. <laughs> he had one opportunity here to make a good impression. <laughs> Robbie Coltrane, though. He's cool. Hagrid. So we never had Casino Royale as any of these. I mean, this is continuing the same continuity as uh, the Connery films. Because we establish in The World is Not Enough, she says, have you ever lost anybody? And he does the whole, like, well, look off, remember Tracy, let's move the conversation on. But we never had Casino Royale. Did you ever look at this before Casino Royale as, like, well, that was just another story that just hadn't been told yet? Or that it wasn't part of the continuity and that they would have adapted it in there? I think the former, the continuity of these always puzzled me they kind of play fast and loose with it you know i mean we're getting a brand new bond here with brosnan and they they could have rebooted it then i mean they could have rebooted it with dalton they could have rebooted it with roger moore but they didn't really know what a reboot was back then you know i mean uh it really took until like the the comic book genre stuff to really reboot like batman begins i'd say is the one that kicked off the idea of a reboot but they could have just kind of played this as like Bond's only done a couple missions. And even in this movie, I mean, we have that nine year gap. Right. And in that nine years, you're supposed to assume that that's where the Valentine, uh, Valentine stuff happens. They don't explicitly say it, but in that nine years, what if that nine years is where he met Tracy? What if that's where, uh, you know, before or after maybe a Casino Royale did happen. We jump right into Bond and Dr. No, and he's Bond already. I wonder if they ever thought about that. Or if they just didn't give a shit. Probably. <laughs> Probably. They're more concerned with setting up a pool scene. Yeah, is this a hotel with a pool? Is this a spa? I mean, it's one of the nicest pools I've ever seen. No staff? Bond has to uh, watch his back for any drive-by shootings. Uh, fruitings. <laughs> God, look at her. But he has no problem with her just walking over to him. <laughs> She's literally as close as she can get, and he says, that's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, okay, get a little closer. Like, merge into me, you know? Bites his lip, like... Now, he's on top of her and doesn't do anything. I mean, like, get up, not like he doesn't do anything, like, you know. <laughs> she charges extra for this. 
that's got to be one of the most fun Bond scenes to do. That they probably had to be cracking up. <laughs> you know, you couldn't do this scene and not laugh on fucking set. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Poor guy. Pliach. Again with the Pliach. Well, he blue-balled her. <laughs> and they loved using that line, the uh, no more foreplay in like, the trailers and stuff. It's a good line for selling the Bond film. You like how brutal this is? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like all accomplished like yeah I got her in one shot you know here's all the statues from that uh, title sequence and can't see any women in the background chopping at it right. with hammers yeah they just kept these uh, statues around like this after the fall of the Soviet Union just giant parks with collapsed statues of Lenin and Stalin. Random hands. Hands and heads. There's a pliach. And it's weird that the scene earlier was like that, that creepier kind of score. But this isn't as creepy. You would think that that would have gone in this scene. Yeah, the, like, the score. I mean, so many of the musical cues seem mismatched with... The action on the screen. The only musical cues that really work, I think, for me, are the action scenes. Yeah. The chase scene and uh, the tank chase scene that we're That one's great. See. I always refer to this as the Tim Burton scene. Seems like one of the sets that he would make. That one. Right, there is that Eric Serra trademark. Would you have been okay with him as Bond? I think it would have been an interesting Bond. Yeah, I would like to have seen him. If he had dyed his hair, maybe. Apparently Daniel Craig can't do that. Be like, shit, I'll buy a $10 bottle of hair, del uh, hair gel and uh, send it to you. Hair dye, not hair gel. Hilarious. Oh, <laughs> He's like, you know, you look you don't look that bad for getting shot in the head point blank range. Right. Hell, even if it was a blank, you'd still be deaf. Deef. I think he's better as a villain though. He's actually probably one of my favorite Bond villains out of everybody. You buy that he can match Bond. Right. He's got the same training, the same skill set. They knew. Hmm. 
There's another thing. Mentioning the climbing accident. A lot of people love this theory that James Bond is a code name. I fucking hate the theory. And the movies prove it wrong all the time. As if different agents mm -hmm. became... That, that like when uh, Lazenby says it never happened to the other guy that he took on the mantle of James Bond. Like if he were to be the next Batman or something. Right. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. So they all had a wife named Tracy that got killed by a man <laughs> named Blofeld. Ridiculous. Who headed a, an organization named Spectre. Like... I mean, were the Blofelds always changing? Someone yeah. assumes the new Blofeld. Like, they scout, the you know, this guy could be a good James Bond in the future. We got to make sure that his parents go on this climbing trip and kill him. <laughs> Get him a lady named Tracy to marry and kill her, too. Yeah. Oof. Now, who shot that blow dart at him? The dude that walks into the frame here. Oh. <laughs> From the right at the angle to be able to shoot the blow dart. Very interesting. A very subtle observation. <laughs> we might not know how to play Baccarat, but we can point out who this other guy in the scene is. Now, imagine waking up to that every morning. <laughs> Well, that's why we don't see her in another Bond film. I like how she just expects him to solve everything. <laughs> She's tied up in the back. He's tied up in the front. So she just kicks his chair and screams at him until he does something. Mister, mister, wake up. Get me out of this damn thing. It's convenient that he's Bond, you know, where he can solve everything. Now, this Bond, his numbers aren't his strong suit, but he's able to tell that there's no electrical impulses in a certain mile radius and whatever. He's calculating the time it takes for this to come over. He's observing the countdown to target, some numbers involved in that. Tense little scene. Not bad. I always thought that the parachutes looked like jellyfish. Hmm. There's like a weird transparency to them. Now it's kind of grown and juicing, you know? Oh, <laughs> what a bitch. He not only saved your life... After you kicked and screamed at him, but he has the common decency to help you get out of your uh, seat and say, watch your head. Cops don't do that. No, they just kill you. <laughs> Especially these cops. Look at them. The parachute's now red. <laughs> Headed over to the archives level. The Russians like this very minimalistic uh, interior design scheme here. 
They want you to feel like you could be in a bomb shelter at any point. (laughs) (laughs) It's bomb shelter chic. That's close enough. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you just get rid of it? useless now. She hasn't looked at her watch in in the the several weeks since the golden eye blossed. Or she has it. It's convenient belief in the exact time (laughs) she needed it to be. 2.23 again. Twice a day she'd be right. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get to the cut of the chase here. <laughs> My favorite food is borscht. <laughs> My least favorite co-worker is Boris. <laughs> <laughs> KGB, whatever. Oh, computer programmer. Okay. Trust you. Fuck you. He's like, oh, damn it, why'd you interrupt me? I love saying my name. Mr. Bond James Bond. Mr. Bond James Bond. (laughs) He's in great spirits today. So what's Bond's age supposed to be, by the way? I mean, he's supposed to be a relic of the Cold War, a dinosaur. Right. Who, a sexist, misogynist yeah, dinosaur. Who ages not a bit in nine years. Obviously, he's got to be like 40. But he was 30 in the, the whole opening sequence kind of a thing, like... I guess he's ageless. He probably uses just for men to keep that jet black (laughs) hair in line. Just for Bond James Bond? Oh. Took Michigan by surprise. Interrogation. He comes barreling in. Do you? I love that line, too. Ooh. 
There's a good deal of hand-to-hand combat in this film, and I like that. Hmm. On the uh, cradle. Yeah. You think that was something that they planned ahead? Like, we, we want to get away from some of the other kind of things and do a little bit more gritty, like, you know, fist fighting? Quite possibly. I mean, I say that, and Albon's about to kill a million guys yeah. with a machine gun. But, yeah, I think it could well be a part of that sort of throwback to the earlier films. Because they did that with Craig, too. At the end of Dalton, uh, not Dalton, at the end of Brosnan's run, he's redirecting laser beam satellites and stuff like this. And, <laughs> you know, and then they go back to uh, a new bond with Daniel Craig and Casino Royale. You know, most of the action in that is him, you know, headbutting somebody and elbowing them in the nose and shit like that. When Bond knocked over all those um, stacks of, oh, stacks of books and files, he's going to keep some archivist in uh, in a job for the next 15 years. So that's what happens with the Bonds. Uh, when they retire, they uh, go to work for different governments and they help rebuild archives <laughs> and then a new James Bond takes over. He requi- uh, retire into a quiet life. Nice use of the little belt. I love this shot. Mm. And the little... That's one of my favorite musical cues from the film. And I think, I could be wrong on this, we we might research, but I think that this musical cue for this action sequence was actually not composed. They brought in someone else to do Mm -hmm. a more traditional orchestral piece for this. Yeah, because there's an alternative one that's on one of the soundtracks. Right. So, like, you think that was uh, them going, not a fan of Eric Serra, or? I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they have replaced all of his music? <laughs> Maybe this was just, like, their set piece that they were like, this has to be right, right. and we can't afford to do it all over again. We've heard enough of those. <laughs> So again, bringing Bond into the 1990s and trying to get past some of the charges, you know, sexism and misogyny that people criticized the earlier films, M calls him out. There's a kind of move to make it a more, you know, socially on the level type Bond. But uh, I'm disappointed in the stereotype of the drunk Russian (laughs) as Orimov just constantly is chugging from his flask of vodka throughout this sequence. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't just do it once. He does it like six he times. He gets hammered. And I don't, you know, I, I'm pretty sensitive to the, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> As a Russian myself, I'm quite disappointed <laughs> in this. 
I also love how it's sort of like, I mean, like, there's always kind of a joke about the Bond series that Bond has to be needlessly destructive. <laughs> and this is like... Guys, worst drivers ever. I'll <laughs> 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 <All> follow you. <laughs> and explode somehow. <laughs> a nice swim. But like, you know, like Bond will, you know, he'll take like a bomb. It'll explode something. And it'll be like, Q will be mad that he blew up the bomb. Right. But then you take a scene like this. He levels entire streets. Yeah, of historical districts in St. Petersburg. I mean, some of the, you know, century-old buildings. And if you look at, like, what a normal car, a fender bender on the freeway could be, like, traffic stops for ages. Two cars go through a barricade into the water. One of them explodes. Right. Multiple military members die. We got a tank driving around that's, you know, knocking out the bottom of buildings. A normal day in Russia. <laughs> and we've got two guards, on, uh, two policemen on the scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here they come. And now the, they're dead. These are the worst trained cops ever. <laughs> I think they're trying to drive into one another. Bond's got that magic. A uh, tank that, as soon as it starts to hit any kind of a car, it can explode it. Bond had uh, plugged in the cheat, <laughs> exploding cars, before this. Uh, before he ensued the chase. <laughs> That's the best shot right there. <laughs> he runs. Somebody's driving that car. Right. Many civilians were killed in the making of this film. <laughs> Ormov giving faulty directions now through his drunken haze. Great product placement there for Perrier, Perrier water. The kind of drink you'd love to drive a tank through. <laughs> that should have been their slogan going forward. Why are all the cars so small in Russia? Everyone drives a coupe. Well, you saw the buildings. I mean, you've got to drive underneath some of the buildings. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Musical score there. Ha <laughs> ha. I do like this part, though. This is one of my favorite little, like, Bondisms. Just, uh, you gotta fix the tie. <laughs> he does it again in uh, The World's Not Enough. In the boat. There's that little underwater thing, and he's, you know, bum ba da da ba bum 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 ba da da Fix my tie, gonna look spiffy. Here's the depot level. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're done the depot level, basically. That was the depot level. Yeah. <laughs> Let me sneak up in my tank. <laughs> oh, we don't have GPS at this point. I took a wrong turn. Let me go make a... Yeah, Bond knows these city streets quite well. Looking at this train, did you ever think it looked like it had a face? Yeah, I think it, it sort of looks like Darth Vader. 
It's got like that the nose and the sunken in eyes, like the uh, Easter Island statues. Mm. You think that was a deliberate call out to? Uh... <laughs> She's like upset. Oh, it's you, another guy I don't know. <laughs> This looks like, you know, as Natalia watches, it's the most twisted family dinner she's ever seen. <laughs> or Bob's like, I haven't had enough to drink yet. <laughs> he opted for a liquid dinner. <laughs> now, these workers on the side there, you think they're in on it? For some reason, I thought they were surprised that this train was coming through, right? It's supposed to be like a decommissioned train or something. Hmm. Think he's telling the truth? Did Trevelyan get sloppy seconds? His <laughs> <laughs> casual <laughs> from yeah, totally lurking in the shadows. Oh. So she faces uh, sexual harassment from Boris, and then unwanted sexual advances from <laughs> 006. Ooh. Does she see Zenya? Very weird. Zenya! Onatava! Arumova! That's an odd delivery of that line. She's turned on. <laughs> he pulls the... Hey, I'm gonna ram you now. <laughs> what movie? He's ramming us. He's ramming us. I can't think. The tank missile does surprisingly little damage to the train. You think, does that kill the uh, conductor, or does the crash? I don't know. Either way, his uh, widow ought to receive some generous compensation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get severance pay if you're on the black market, if you're in the terrorist business? <laughs> Only in Severnaya. I think they're probably pretty unforgiving. It's weird that there's no RCP-90 in this. <laughs> I always thought that was a funny one. Why can't you die? Well, you first. You, second. Who's third? Yeah, what if you would have said that to Ormov? You, third. <laughs> the conductor up front? Hey, come here, buddy. Come Fourth. here. Fourth. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> he gets very excited. Again, the most twisted... <laughs> He, the, that's the happiest he is in the entire film is when he says, I would. I would. 
oh yeah well you know what i would bond at this time i got there first yeah that's why he's happy <laughs> zenya's got his back back there <laughs> Here's a line that we've repeated ad nauseum. <laughs> He's a lion's horse. Horse. See, funny enough, Eric Serra, he recorded when he said Cossack, and that's what he uses for that. Right, <sighs> music concrete. If you put this on with the subtitles, it says, You knew, didn't you? He's a lion's sack. Almost sounds like lion's ball sack. Fomka Jansen asked for direction in the scene. Martin Campbell says, I'll just lick your lips invitingly. Uh, that, that ought to... Uh... Scowl at the end of it. Wow. A thankless uh, death there, General Urimov. Very odd that out of all the villains, the one who lives the longest is fucking Boris. Mm-hmm. Well, he's resourceful. Yeah. Well, he's invincible. He's invincible after all. He was not lying. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if, like, another Bond film popped up and they had Alan Cumming come back and he's like, I said I was invincible. Yeah, they unfroze him. <laughs> if they can unfreeze Han Solo, they can unfreeze Definitely unfreeze Boris. Boris. He'd have to get caught up on all the new developments. Internet information technology. Photoshop. Proper. Vuta. A Boris Avuta. A Boris How much of an idiot is Natalia in this scene? Why? Because she can't figure out the riddle? Yeah. It's a difficult riddle. No, it's not at all. You sit on it, but you can't take it with you. Yeah, and she... Is it your butt? <laughs> but he's like, like, you can't take it with you. Do you ever take your ass anywhere? And the worst thing about it all is... She watches him type it in, and it's got five letters, and she types in, like, eight different four-letter things. It's like, you're, you're already off <laughs> you should, on the wrong thing here. You should see her doing a crossword puzzle. It's just <laughs> maddening. Arse. Buns. <laughs> yeah, buns. That's great. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> What the hell? You're talking to your fucking friend. Now we're helping him out with words with friends. Oh. She knows our geography. Yeah, you know what she doesn't know? Different words for ass. Now... I don't know about you. I've unplugged computer parts while that's been going on. I've never had sparks shoot out of me. Right. No, no no such thing. He avoids electrocution, too. And I always thought it was funny. They're running parallel to the train. Right. They don't know where it's going to explode. <laughs> right. They could easily run to their right, you know, screen left. That sweater blouse combo has to be smelling quite awful. She's been, 
You've been uh, wearing it for a couple of weeks now. It might have been since uh, the beginning of the film. That just as easily as uh, Carolyn. They just melt in his arms. <laughs> He's almost too suave for his own good. Do you think all it takes to get a woman turned on is to threaten her life? <laughs> <laughs> is that what we've been doing wrong all these years? Well, see, I don't know. I mean, I've gotten the threaten the life thing down. I just I never had that bottle of champagne. With me. <laughs> right. It's, it's exactly <laughs> this, totally. <laughs> I've, I've been threatening her life. I've made good on those threats. <laughs> yeah, ask a couple of my exes. You can't, because I've made good on them. Finally, he gets the BMW in action. She changes into something... Uh... At least, you know, somewhat flat, uh, flattering. Mm. She's quick to judge, isn't she? Like, mm. like he has anything to say about this? <laughs> it could easily just be, you know, the villains trying to hunt us down. You're like, Boris with toys. <laughs> Boris with toys. And he's like, who is this fucking Boris? Well, I hear about this Boris. What kind of toys? Hey, I brought some things for a picnic here. You like uh, your tea sweetened or run? Because, see, like, well, we were talking about the continuity a little bit earlier and whether or not they acknowledge that certain films happen or whatever. Do you think they're supposed to be implying here the reason why Jack Wade takes over is because of what happened to Felix? Like, oh, interesting. Like he's retired. Like that's why Felix isn't there. That's anymore. convenient. Yeah. I imagine it would be hard to fulfill your duties missing both legs. Well, he only gets he, he loses he loses more in the books, right? I mean, like he he gets like real fucked up in the book. I think, hmm. but in the movie, I don't think he loses everything. The shark tears his legs off. Doesn't he lose? Uh. Like an arm in that set or something? No, he goes in legs first. He goes, ah, ah. <laughs> Don't they show a shot of him, though, where he's uh, just like, he still has his legs, but he's just like cut up? Maybe they're prosthetics? I thought it was the part where he's on the couch. We're sitting here talking about License to Kill. <laughs> I don't remember. Let's put on License to Kill. <laughs> Hey, Jack Wade, uh, don't press any of the buttons on that car. We wouldn't want to have some kind of like a worthwhile action sequence with this expensive BMW or anything. You know what I mean? The BMW saw as much action as Q's lunch. <laughs> they make up for it, though, and Tomorrow Never Dies. You can tell that somebody passed a note down and said, you know, we didn't do anything with that car. Then they're like, all right, we'll make this, you know, enormous action scene about him driving a car with a phone. Yeah. BMW said, uh, we paid you a lot of money. Yeah. For you to have a guy who's not James Bond drive away in our car. <laughs> you know, when we signed this contract, we thought Pierce Brosnan was going to be in this car, not Jodon Baker. 
not our idea of luxury. One thing that's always, this is probably my least favorite sequence in this film. There's a couple of kind of slow, ponderous, almost philosophical hmm. scenes where people talk to Bond, they criticize him, they characterize him in unflattering terms. I try to bring a little bit more depth to it. I mean, like, look at the Craig ones now. I mean, there's whole scenes where he's talking about how damaged he is and, you know. I like Bond and Diamonds Are Forever, say, when he'd take a lady's bikini top off and choke her with it. <laughs> well, to be fair, we don't know what happens at the end of the scene. Right. It does transition pretty hard from you're a real ass and I'm never going to love you. And he's like, I, I really don't fucking care. <laughs> Natalia's asking the same questions of Bond that John Connor asked of the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, little uh, do we know that there's a deleted scene in this where Natalia teaches Pierce Brosnan how to smile. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Bond, why don't you practice in front of a mirror or something? Uncle Bond, huh? Uncle <laughs> Bond. They're like, we had a mission to do, but let's make sure we get a nice little uh, shack here and set fire. And One thing I do like about Brosnan and Goldeneye, it, it doesn't show up as much in the other films, but he can be a real dick mm. in certain scenes. And I do love how they acknowledge in this. It's like, you know, you really mean for him to that you wouldn't care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a normal action film... That wouldn't be serialized. You would be like, you wouldn't believe it. But the fact that you never seen Italia again or any of the other ones again. <laughs> and here's how James Bond gets killed. <laughs> I don't know, like you said, give it a choice, I'd pick Xenia. Very I'd, I'd die, but you know. <laughs> what a way to go out, though. I get a second life, you know, you only live twice. You in the same boat as me where anytime you ever see the uh, satellite dish that they use for this scene in any other film or anything else, you just immediately think that it's gold I was shocked to realize it's an actual thing and it's an actual functioning I don't know what it is but it's um it exists somewhere it's not a prop it wasn't built for the film I mean they they did build some props but like the you know the actual thing itself like they they film it there and stuff but what is it do you know it's um, a weather thing I don't know if it's a weather thing or if it's like um SETI kind of what's that the satellites that they've positioned to hear anything from outer space. It might be one of those kind of things. How useless must it be that you have a constant flow of film filmmakers coming in to use your multi-million dollar, you know, satellite technology as a film prop? And it's like, it's weird to look at it as like, we're going to use this as a villain's thing. Like... <laughs> Can we take your satellite and make it seem like a horrible 
megalomaniac KGB guy <laughs> wanted to use it. Oh, it's okay, though. We'll blow it up at the end. Yeah, we'll blow it up. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, the missile there it has to be some of the worst missile technology ever. Instead of blowing up, it just goes through the plane. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a, uh, you know, six-foot-long bullet. <laughs> hey, it takes them down. Eh. I guess it's not that bad, right? Here's our... We never had the uh, caverns level. Doesn't exist. We never had silo. But here we have our jungle level. Where Natalia is just as much of a pain in the ass in the movie as she is in the fucking game. He's like, hey, we can get one more in. <laughs> She's having her siesta here in Cuba. Now, what do you think about Bond wearing those kind of clothes? Because, I mean, we had the tux Bond already. But, um, like, Connery didn't wear that stuff all that much. Well, let's He did you... at times, but... It lets you know that we're getting ready for the action part of the film. Mm. He's in military fatigues. <laughs> Things are going to heat up. Imagine now, you've just been shot down, and what do you think to do? I'll take a nap. <laughs> they knew where I was. They fixed a missile on my plane. Good as time as any. <laughs> you can tell that that's not her, too. You know she means business. She's pulled her hair back. <laughs> I'd like to see a film just about her. What does she do when she's not being paid to kill these people and fuck them? <laughs> I imagine she just finds random people. Like, if uh, she goes yeah. to the bar... You know, because she, she wouldn't have to do any work, you know? She enjoys She's gorgeous. It. Oh, yeah. She enjoys it way too much for it to just be work. No, it's it's not just a work activity. This is, you know what they say, you you, you got to do a job that you love and you, you don't work a day. Interesting. Now, did Bond intend to kill her? He attaches her uh, latch, you know, back to the helicopter, shoots at the helicopter, probably thinking it would drive away and take her with it. Yeah. Instead, it uh, squeezes her to death. Yeah, it strangles her. I do like this line. <laughs> like, if he intended to kill her, he's very proud. If he didn't intend to kill her, he's not only gotten over the idea that he killed her, <laughs> but he also has thought of a quip about it and is very proud of the quip. You know, you should see Bond's Twitter feed after natural <laughs> yeah. disasters. I mean, the guy has no sense of boundaries at all. Like, if they would have kept the Brosnan era going now, I mean, obviously he would have been like a you know, 60-something-year-old Bond, but he would be taking a picture of all of his kills and then posting Instagram shots over and over again. <laughs> With his puns underneath. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I guess he didn't intend to kill her because, you know, Bond's good, but at the same time, how could he imagine that it would twist around the tree? And, right. You know, it seemed very circumstantial there. I think it was kind of just like, let's hook you into that and let's just see what happens, get you the fuck away kind of a thing. 
you think it would have been more, uh, a little bit less comedic or whatever if she would have been strangled, if it would have been around her neck? Or you think that maybe would have pushed them past a PG-13 it, to have to have a woman yeah. get strangled on her, you yeah, know? Yeah, it probably would have been a little gratuitous. Yeah, the, it's and it's, you know, some of the films really push the PG-13, but like we've noticed, so much of the action is is the it's bloodless mm. action. It's not very violent. Um, it's more violent than some of the other films, but at the same time, it's very. I mean, the Craig ones are worse now. This is the world's largest toilet. No, wouldn't you kind of be tempted to just take a piss in that? <laughs> oh, certainly. Once in a lifetime opportunity here. And watch it drain. <laughs> I always thought this, it looked like this footage was being played backwards. When the water jumps up. <laughs> you know, it's pretty clean, though. For being underwater like that. Right. Yeah, it, like, right. You got a tiny little bit of sewage. Or algae or whatever that's supposed to be. There he's got his fourth generation Boris pen. The GoldenEye satellite Misha, named after one half of the knife-wielding circus performing duo from Octopussy, Misha and Grishka. <laughs> Mishka. Grishka. Grishka. Grishinko. <laughs> It's a good thing 009 wasn't in this. It's turning. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. If you don't get, like, that charred... Oh, I know. think you'd be pretty fucked up. <laughs> Now, if they made serious rug burns, I mean that's concrete, isn't it? At the same time, though, I mean it just did have all that water. It could be a slippery slope, you know, like a slip and slide. Slip and slide. The world's largest slip and slide. The world's largest toilet <laughs> becomes the world's largest slip and slide. Now. That's something that uh, just a, a stupid idiosyncrasy of mine. I don't do three, two, one, turn unless I tell somebody ahead of time. All right, we're gonna go three, two, one, turn. Like we, you know, beginning of this thing when I'm telling you guys, you gotta sync up your thing. Three, two, one, play. They do it differently. Uh, Oromov and Zenya, then uh, hmm. Trevelyan and Boris. But there's no establishment of like, well, I like to do the three, two, one turn, and you like the three, two turn or the three, two, one turn without me saying it, you know, that kind of thing. Right. If it's so important that it needs to be turned on the same thing, you'd think that they would have to work it out. I mean, yeah. do a couple practice turns. All the right. entire evil go, plan go. hinges <laughs> on whether we do the three, two, one go, the three, two, go. So he has seven shots in this gun, right? Yeah. <gasps> Timed mines. Now they're the remote mines. Oh. Because he's got the 
the watch. Okay, right. And he disables it in there. And they don't pay attention at all that he just throws a mine underneath them. That was his pistol he threw at them to let him know he was unarmed. Oh, that, that was a mine for some reason. 20 years later. Wow. That, I've never paid attention to that detail. I thought he threw the freaking... That makes so much more sense. <laughs> all this time I'm criticizing this movie for something that's clearly my fault. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was blood the first time I saw it. Yeah, me too. And they don't pay any attention to this. Just another shitty job from the contractors here in our secret enemy base. <laughs> I mean, you know, that you get what you paid for. Also, the liquid nitrogen just kept around, just in case we need it. <laughs> Have a cool fog party later. Well, that's a celebration after they uh, take down London. The biggest dance party you've ever seen. We aim to please the uh, backup theme from this film. We aim to please. Say, <laughs> so, you still like that sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> How's his foot doing? Does he still like those uh, turkey hoagies there? It's a little underwhelming, though, when you look at, like, we've got the car. It's got these missiles and stuff. We don't use it. Here's these remote mines. We don't get to blow it up, you know. Kind of fucking with the audience a little bit here. Something we didn't mention, actually. Goldeneye inspired by the name of uh, Ian Fleming's home. This is one of the first Bond movies that actually didn't use a title from a book. Use it from a house instead. <laughs> Goldeneye. I thought they named this film after the video game. <laughs> Well, then it would have been GoldenEye N64 or GoldenEye 007. Cell phones, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Snapchat. We haven't quite figured out how to get rid of Periscope yet, but... <laughs> right. The teenagers of London will have nothing to occupy their time for several weeks. That's what it would be now, 20 years later. More ponderous dialogue here. <laughs> Deleted scene after this is when he goes, like Tracy. <laughs> you remember Tracy, James? We shared everything, I remember. <laughs> that was one hell of a wedding night there, Tracy. So, ooh, they show... In Thunderball, they're all the double O's are sitting around. The Look at Boris. <laughs> He's such a pansy when it comes to this. <laughs> he goes immediately into the fetal <laughs> position, and he like like Linus with the te uh, the blanket. He has to grab a pen, twirl it around, and click it. He's like, I gotta have something to calm me down, you know. You know? 
You like bored us with toys and pens. But the uh, the thing with um, Thunderball, where they're showing all the double O's, mm-hmm. and they're all sitting around, you can see the person that's sitting next to Bond, who's got to be either 008 or 006. He's got the beard. Yeah, that's supposed to be Trevelyan. Do you think they line them up in number order? Probably. Hmm. 008, 006. Now, 008's one of the only ones that you've never seen. I don't know about you. Ooh, sick burn, Boris. <laughs> That's like the guy on a forum going like, well, you've only been a moderator for a week. I'm, you know, board moderator for a month. She doesn't even have exes. All right, are you keeping count here? Was that three? I have no I idea. I lost count already. <laughs> yeah. He only clicks in even numbers, too, which makes it difficult. Multiples of two. Yeah, so how does that work? I mean, if he clicks one, two, and then one, two, he's clicked the three to arm exactly. it. Exactly. He hasn't clicked two other more times to do it. Or is it just that he clicks that other two to make it six in that span of that time period? He's like you know? Boris with toys. <laughs> You're like Boris with pens. <laughs> Keep clicking. So we're losing track of the uh, clicks. The clicks here. Clicks. Oh. <laughs> now there's tension for you. <laughs> Give him the fucking codes, Natalia. <laughs> what if Bond has miscalculated the number <laughs> of clicks and everyone waits there for a second <laughs> thinking something's going to happen? Oh. All the innocent computer programmers that go up and smoke there. Great ruse by Natalia. Pretends to be dead. Yeah, she's good at uh, faking people out when she's in some kind of like a control center. <laughs> Part of Everywhere else. Training. There's your shot of like women can can be action people too. Although I don't think she uses it a single time, other than when she points it at that helicopter pilot. We just built this place. I'm fixing it. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's so forceful with his job. Puts the gun right up to him and gives him this look of like, I'll fucking do it, buddy. I'll I'll fucking do it. it. Don't test me. I've seen how much work you got to do to get some fucking benefits around here. I'll kill your ass. You know, my friend conducted that train. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He followed the rules and he got a fucking tank shell to the face. 
This has to be the most inaccurate weapon in the Bond series. So if we haven't been able to edit this out, I apologize. I have a dog barking in the background. <laughs> Very excited here at the finale. Yeah, you know, he waited until the end here. All of Boris's coding and computering. See, he, uh, my dog in the background, he watched that scene before of the wolves in uh, the Severnaya bunker. And was like, well, we got another bunker here, but we're the dogs. I think I'm going to represent. <laughs> right. All of Boris's work amounts to nothing when Bond shoves a pipe. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, in Casino Royale, M refers to Bond as a blunt instrument. There you go. And it's like Bond establishes here, blunt instrument can defeat anything. <laughs> Sometimes the best weapon is the most obvious one. The financial system of London came down to uh, one pipe there, one conveniently placed pipe. Some good hand-to-hand -hand combat here between Bond and 006. Oh! Oh, I don't know how he's still standing after all that. It's a good fight, though. I mean, you take, like, uh, some of the people, you can't take, like, a Goldfinger and Bond fight. Like, they can't fight with each other, and you can't have... Khan and uh, Bond fight, you know, but you get somebody who matches up with them. Different story. And you kind of feel like he can actually lose this one. Yeah, somehow I think climbing all the way back up the ladder is not going to work this time, Bond. Trevelyan bruised and bloody, but still going. I mean, if a man can take a bullet in the head, yeah. <laughs> what's a fist fight going to do to him? 
if he can somehow turn a bullet in the head to just a scar on the right side of his cheek, maybe he could take a bloody handprint and turn that into, like, a stomach ache. <laughs> See, right then, uh, Sean Bean knew what his career would become, and he was smiling at the idea. He's like, I'm not going to die in this movie. You're going to die. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> Even if I'm Trevelyan at that point, I go, yo, James, like, can we, like, move this fight to somewhere else? Yeah, like, let's call a truce for a minute here. Maybe we can climb down. Let's climb back up real quick. Is he thirsty at all? <laughs> He's like, no, nah, I just had all that water down below. <laughs> oh. Oh. Now, would you drop him? Yeah, I wouldn't take any chances. I'd actually unlace his boot. <laughs> oh my god. Watch the bounce here at the end. Ooh. Smash. And his foot goes sideways yeah. like... Oh, bodies. But the fucker still lives. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> be great if Bond just like picked up a gun and shot him from up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean his, you know, his bones are probably, you know, dust inside of his body after that fall. Mister Bond gems Bond. Look at that. And if Bond misses that little jump right there. There goes, there goes the world because uh, <laughs> it's such overkill. I like the implication, too, that the entire thing falls into his screaming mouth. <laughs> I never looked at it that way. That, like, that the actual like point goes, goes into right his mouth. Down. Good bodies. See, if he had his nightcrawler powers, he'd be able to teleport out. Yeah, there's worse ways to go. Yeah, probably instantaneous, you know. Funny enough, he's one of two characters that dies with a smile on his face. <laughs> right. I mean, certainly Boris being frozen is a lot better than falling a hundred feet. And having a satellite dish fall into your mouth. <laughs> yeah, swallowing an entire satellite dish. Swallowing it. like <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is an aggressive... Uh, uh, kisser. Have you noticed this? He goes in with a full-on open mouth and starts biting. And He does it in Tomorrow Never Dies, too. He bites. Yeah, he's a biter. Though right then, he's just a little smooch on the nose. <laughs> a little smooch there. This, I'd be pissed if I was Bond. After all this fucking work, you know. Hey, Jack Wade, the fuck were you up to? I was just rounding up a bunch of troops that, uh, you know, could have helped you out a lot. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd be pissed that his uh, makeout session got interrupted. Now, if I was Jack Wade, you know, I would have... <laughs> you would have tried to get in on yeah, it? stuck around for the show a little bit, see, see what's happening there. 
debriefing each other. Debriefing <laughs> each other at Guantanamo. Now that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's one place I'd like to make love to a lady. Get though. Yeah, mil- the military compound at Guantanamo well, Bay. You know that's why they call it Gitmo. He, get he got he got in some earlier. He's gonna get Mo later. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this uh, rank when it comes to like ends of a Bond film? I mean, we, most of them end. Bond's got the girl. There's some kind of like joke about it, whatever that kind of a thing. You know, die another day. They've got the pan out from the little cabin where they're with the the diamonds and whatever and. Moonraker's got the shot of the shuttle. Right. You know. I don't know. I, I think I love this song. I think it makes sense for the movie to kind of end here. But I also kind of think maybe it's a little bit underwhelming. I'm kind of with you there, and it might seem like splitting hairs, but I like when they end in an intimate moment. You know, Bond pulls the covers over them and it yeah. ends there. This kind of like zoom out... Um, you know, you see helicopters go away. This horrible song. Listen, the '80s called. They want their, they <laughs> oh, want their terrible romance song back. I don't know. I like, I like when a Bond movie's got the one love theme and the one uh, main theme. And I like listening to this song. Like, uh, it's just a, a song that I like. I mean, the location manager named Natalia Smirnova. Huh? Isn't that her name in the film? Close. Natalia Simeonova. So that I mean, that's not a coincidence. They had to have like right. changed it for that. Sean Connor. Yeah, Sean Connor. They had to change Bond for that. But um, I don't know. See, I kind of like when the movies end with like after the scene. If there would have been one more scene where he was doing some kind of like a, I don't know, like they're. I I sort of like when the Bond movies end with. They've gotten out of the the whole thick of it, but he's still with the girl. Like I like the end of The World Is Not Enough, where it's the uh, fireworks, the, the caviar, yeah, the celebrating, and the music in that is fantastic. And the, a great line I thought, you know, Christmas only came once a year. Which Whoa! Is so, like, yeah, the first five it's times, a tough they, lady to please. Yeah, you know. And she's like, "Well, you know, I gotta get, I gotta be really into it. You gotta set the mood." But look how short the credits were, too. Yeah, unusual. They go forever now. Oh my gosh! And now, actually, they've made a little tradition out of the credits tend to be one of the only times that you hear the Bond theme itself. They like to kind of jump into it. Rupert Hine. Rupert Hine. (laughs) Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there's uh, what I would say my favorite Bond film. I don't know about you. I think you got a... It's up there. You know. It's up there. 20 years later, I think it still holds up. I think it definitely holds up. But we want to thank everybody for listening along with us. Uh, we want to uh, invite you guys to check out all the other stuff that we're going to be doing, James Bond related. And if uh, if you like this one a lot, you know you want to hear more of our opinions about some of the other ones. We'll do some more ones in the future. James Bond's going to return. Maybe Fanboys Anonymous will too. Thank you.
Thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Geeks out.